welcome to the first episode of the Here and There podcast. My name is Karolina. And my name is Aga. You won't regret joining us as we're speaking to a very special guest today, Gina. Gina was born in Kazakhstan, she grew up in Germany, and she currently resides in Scotland. But it turns out that there's more to this story. We talk about how Soviet tea compares to English tea, how funny Borat actually is, and how different the Scots and the English really are from an outsider's perspective. Gina tries to explain what it means for one's identity to have roots in many different places, and we try to follow. We make no guarantees that you'll come out with any clarity on the subject, though, other than root systems are indeed complex, so get ready for more questions than answers. Grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine and enjoy what we found to be a highly insightful and entertaining exploration of here and there, as seen by our first guest. Hi, Gina. Hi. Nice to be here. (laughs) Nice to see you, or nice to hear you there. So our guest today is Gina. Gina, what about your name? Because I know some people call you Regina. Is that right? Very sadly, yes, that is right. Um, See, this is already the first difficult topic that you're throwing my way. Oh, no. I thought you would start really gently. I did. Just so you know, our our strategy is always to start with something soft and easy. Uh, So that's the easiest that you'll get. I hope you're ready for that. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So. that is that is a tricky topic. Some people do call me Regina. I have also been called Gina, against my wishes. Go on. What else? Also Virginia, Georgina, <laughs> and Gemma. And uh, what, what is uh, what is your given name? Uh, my given name is Regina. <clears throat> What's your second name? Do you have a second name? You mean my Middle second name? name? Yeah. Oh, a middle name. I don't have a middle name. We don't do middle names. And what does your husband call you? Gina. <laughs> so Gina, you told us before the podcast that one thing that you would like people to know about you is that you have very strong opinions on tea. Now, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> we both live in the UK and this is very dangerous. Another difficult topic for a different reason. Can mm-hmm. you tell us more mm-hmm. about that? Um... Oh gosh, I'm not. I'm not sure how much I'm willing to to divulge here on the topic of tea. Where will this be broadcast? <laughs> In the UK, well, primarily. <laughs> we would encourage oh, you to be as honest as you can. You know, the Brexit has happened now. What what else can happen? Oh, that is true. I mean, we're already too far gone in terms of you know international relations, aren't we? Feel free to discriminate. That's okay on this podcast. That is so reassuring. I I strongly discriminate against British tea. I don't think I've ever had any tea here that was satisfying in any way. What's the most unsatisfying thing? You can just taste the weakness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not the weakness. I think it's uh, just the well manners and being reserved about your emotions. (laughs) That's in the tea already. That's contained in the tea, the the Protestant spirit. It's just, yeah, it's just so, um, so medium. It's so medium, so placid. It has no guts. You know, Soviet tea kind of punches you in the face, but you get none of that with Have you had that tea? tea? I heard about it. It's called the, um, oh my God, it's like a smoky tea and it's called a, a Russian or a Siberian it's like very smoky and it has a funny name, uh, a Russian oh. caravan or something like that. Oh, no, I, I don't think I've had that. But there is 
there is a tea called Lapsang Sushan, mm-hmm. I believe. That's the smoky one. Which is, yeah. that's the smoky oh, wow. one. It's, I've never heard it's of okay. that. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Apparently, it's... you don't have strong opinions about tea. <laughs> I do share that with you, Gina. <laughs> uh, so how do you take your tea now? Since you live in the UK, where the tea is, as you said, weak. I usually double tea bag. And how is that I... perceived? Not well. <laughs> Not well. I usually I usually double tea bag and then add just a, a tiny little bit of milk. Um, and often I ask if somebody offers to make tea for me, I ask them to please leave the tea bag in. Can you say please leave the two tea bags in or just one of them? No, no. If if somebody offers to make me tea, I am too shy to ask for oh, two tea I bags. See. You're too mannered. <laughs> I see. I see. I think that you should think about a strategy to develop for that since you're in the mental health business I hear is that here in the US that is a lot of people now if they really want something but they don't know how to ask for it like they want to have chickens but it's illegal to have chickens they'll apply for an emotional support animal so you can do like an emotional support extra tea bag and you could be like here's my <laughs> prescription I need two tea bags <laughs> Uh, I think that's a really good idea. Something to consider. I mean, but you know what? Tea is, a, tea is a big, uh, it's a controversial, controversial thing. We've had over the last two years, as you both know, we've had a lot of builders in and they drink what they call a builder's tea, like a, a black tea, but not in a specific black tea. Like air grey can be a little bit too strong because it's quite flavored. Um, and we don't tend to have just a normal black tea in the house. So, um, yeah, we've had some funny looks from them. So when I say, would you mind green or would you mind fruit or would you mind Polish raspberry tea for my mom? They are like, excuse me, darling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but also it makes me think of our traveling in China, how people walk about with a flask of tea. And yeah. that's, you uh-huh. know, that's a given. Uh, I always thought this was a cool thing. But in Edinburgh, you can drink outside. So I think it's the same. You can walk about with a pint or with a bottle of whatever. Yeah, that's an I'm, not gonna, I'm not even going to start about tea in America. We can, yeah, that's we can leave that for a different conversation. But Gina, I wanted to ask you because um, Carolina knows you a little bit, but I don't really know a lot about you. Mm-hmm. The only thing I know is that you said that you uh, grew up in two different places, and the way you described it, it was very uh, mysterious. So if you can tell us more, you painted a very um, romantic picture. Oh, romantic, right? For me, yeah. To me, it seems romantic, and I wanted, yeah, I wanted right. to ask you where, where is that desert and and the wineries that you mentioned? Yeah. So um, maybe that was a slightly bizarre way of <laughs> of describing it um, in terms of geographic characteristics. Um, so I was born in Kazakhstan. Um, in, I guess, what is a steppe desert. So it's not your classic kind of, you know, Las Vegas desert. Uh, I would probably not call Las Vegas a classic desert. (laughs) But I'm glad that you still perceive it as such. (laughs) Well, what else is there apart from sand and waste of electricity? Right. Okay. So no waste of electricity in Kazakhstan. So can you maybe like uh, paint a picture? Because I actually have no idea about steppe desert, especially steppe desert in Kazakhstan. But like paint mm-hmm. a picture from your childhood. Like, what do you remember about the landscape and maybe like your, you know, the day of your childhood over there? Like 
any memories, any pictures that stayed with you, any images? Right. So that's, again, that's a tricky question <laughs> um, because we left when I was about four. Okay, very early. Four, four-ish, three-ish. So mm -hmm. we left we left when I was really young. Um, we did go back to visit when I was a little bit older. So what really what I remember is, is from my visits after we had left. It's a very rural area, I guess. Most of Kazakhstan is, is rural and has no, hardly any infrastructure. So I, I remember playing outside, um, outside my grandmother's house when we visited and there was nothing but just dirt for miles. There was no, you know, no road visible. Um, people were driving around, but there were, there was like one set of traffic lights in the village. Nobody knew what it was for. It wasn't at a crossing. How did you get was, there? How was, did you tr actually travel when you traveled back? Like, can you describe the journey? Like, did you fly in or like, how did you actually yeah, get there? To go and visit. Mm -hmm. um, we flew there from Germany. So I, I was born in Kazakhstan and my family then moved to Germany when I was when I was quite young. So I think the first time we went back to visit, I was about eight years old. Um, and my brother was a baby at the time. So we had, we had to take a flight. It was a direct flight to the closest airport that we could get to, to where um, where my family was originally from. And it was a really long flight. I remember um, getting off the plane and thinking that that would be the end of our, of our journey. I kind of assumed that somebody would meet us at that airport um, and, you know, take us to where we needed to go. But when we got out, we, we were kind of shoved on this, this tiny little bus that looked unsafe. It, it was just so packed full of people who were really exhausted and stressed. Um, and we were driven to, to some other place close to the airport for processing of documents. And when we arrived and we were, we were let out of that bus, it looked like, um, it looked like a stable that you would, you would keep cattle in. And I think that's what it originally was. So we were all shoved into this stable and it looked very farmy <laughs> and there were just hundreds of us queuing for hours to get our passports checked um and then there was lots of lots of trouble you know when we actually came up to to have our, our passports and our luggage checked um because we were allegedly bringing in items that we weren't supposed to and i think in in any normal country those would just be taken off you right Probably, you know, airport security sure. is pretty tight in the U.S. <laughs> Those items would just be You'd taken be away. But, you know, you could negotiate if you really, really wanted to keep those items. <laughs> if you were willing to pay a really good price, Absolutely. then they would let you through. Um, Are you saying that you so didn't get a happened. Starbucks coffee or a McDonald's burger? No? I bet you were hungry. At, the, at that tiny little stable that we were in, No. <laughs> No, there, there was nothing. And I, I remember standing there just seeing walls and there, there was nothing. There was, it, it was just like one, one empty building with kind of makeshift counters <laughs> where they would, they would check you um, and then decide how much money you had to pay to actually be allowed to go through. 
Do you remember? So that, that was... Do you remember being excited about the trip or anything like how you know, like a little girl going somewhere completely different? I guess for the really for you, it was the first time that you consciously were traveling to see. I guess your grandmother. Do you remember like being excited and、mm-hmm. anything that you know? Were you like happy? Like you didn't care it was rural or was it boring for you? I was I was really excited because.、Um, I guess leading up to that, the kind of the previous four years that I had spent, you know, growing up in Germany, it always felt like not home. It was really clear to me that you know, this is not where I'm from, and I was kind of visiting with this expectation in mind that I was going home.、Um, so it was really, really exciting. And、um, when I was a child, I loved looking at photographs um, of. Um, You know where I was born,、um, family members that had since passed away. So I was really, really excited to to go and see.、Um, I think I had some kind of little chunks of memories or what I thought were memories. Maybe they were just made up of kind of interpretations of photographs that I had looked at. But I I had a really strong sense that I remembered a lot about where I was from,、um, and. I knew that my my grandmother had a lot of animals, and I was just I was just dead excited to to get in there, <laughs> and to touch to touch everything that was furry.、Mm-hmm. And did then the visit live up to your expectations? After you came back to Germany, were you like, when are we coming back next? Or、um, how was how did that go? The actual stay.、Um, the actual stay. I think for me it was. For me, it was interesting and exciting. For my parents, it was stressful. I remember them being stressed a lot of the time.、Um, I think whenever、um, guests arrive from overseas, everybody wants to come and visit, wants to come and say hello, or wants to come and see whether you've brought them any gifts, any any foreign currency.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I think you know having to to kind of maintain that level of interaction. I remember there not being a single、uh, kind of down day.、Um, it was all just visits, 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 or you know going somewhere, doing something, which for me was it was great. But for my parents, who had my my baby brother at the time as well, I think it was tricky. How old was、um, your baby brother? Um, so I think when we visited, I must have been nine, and he must have been just a, just under a year. Oh yeah,、so、or about a year.、Time. He he was he was tiny. Sounds like a very intense trip. I am. I feel <laughs> like I couldn't forgive myself if I didn't ask you. Do you have any views on Borat? Oh God. <laughs> and are they I mean, as strong as the tea? I'm pretty sure that you know our audience is. Uh, thinking about it right now, so let's go for it. I mean, of course, that's. I I would have been very surprised if he had not asked the Borat question.、Um, the amount of abuse I had to tolerate because of Borat <laughs> cannot even put it into words. <laughs> Thankfully, I was already I was already、um, a teenager when that film came out, so I think I was able to to. Kind of handle it a little bit more confidently,、um, but I had to have, you know, many an annoying conversation about what happens in Kazakhstan and what we really do in terms of, you know, hunting people or 
whatever else. Mm. So I I do hate that film. And all sequels. <laughs> more than the week T. Yeah. I, I do I do hate I I do hate Borat more than the and that question came only to my mind just now, just as you were, you know, talking about things. Really? It makes me think, what's that about? Maybe you describe mm. the board like reality? <laughs> Maybe. Just to console you, it did not come to my mind. I was shocked by this question. Shocked. <laughs> what do you think is it about um, films like that and people actually just coming up to you and, and asking, you know, they're, or, or they're not able to to get their own information, but they will actually ask you about all this stuff. Like, what do you think is in, is going on in people's heads when they actually do that? Like, why would they, um, you know, ask you? That's... I, I, I don't know. I think that the first time somebody asked me about that film here in Scotland was when I worked for... Um, um, for the university HR department. So I did a kind of s- some summer program with them where I was doing a research project and it was a grown adult man who asked me how many of the things that he saw in Borat were true. So this was a man in his late 30s, I think, um, who was asking these questions quite naively. So I really wasn't sure if he was just a fucking idiot or if he was trying to wind me up. I really couldn't tell. And I I worked there for four months and I still, by the end of it, had not figured out where he was sitting on that spectrum. I don't know. Hmm. I also had a supervisor, um, a supervisor at university asked me about how I felt about the film. Um, And he asked me about it because I think the topic of where I was from came up and he said that he was a Jew from Israel. Um, so he, it was, it was quite an intense conversation that we had about the, the film and, you know, some of the stereotypes contained in that film and how I felt about it, um, which came completely out of the blue. And it's interesting because given that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is from here, uh, it already mm. adds another layer to the whole story because we know he is uh, English and we know, uh, yeah, if, you know, I don't know how much an average person knows, but uh, I imagine him at least something about his fairly privileged English background. So, um, yeah, we, 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 I imagine British people see the, the film differently than perhaps uh, the Americans do. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you mean uh, differently? In, um, because in that he's from there, I, or that they yeah, know I would imagine that people would assume that you know he is a British person, that he is not from Kazakhstan, he doesn't speak like this, and there's something going on already. Oh, rather than Americans just not knowing who that is, thinking that it's yeah. actually, actually mm. okay, that it's not a, it's not supposed to be any type of parody or comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I don't know. Uh, I don't remember if that movie actually sparked any of that conversation. I think in, it sparked that conversation mm. in circles that already were having the conversation. And for everybody else, it's like for this guy that will just come up to you and is like, "Is this really how it is in Kazakhstan?" And um, and you should be like, "Is this really how you take your tea?" You know, that's that's really like <laughs> exactly. the only way you can answer this type of question. Yeah, it's always. Um, it's a question of how to do comedy, right? And when to do it and, and what your audience is. If you're going to, maybe he didn't expect it to be, become a smash hit and it did. <laughs> maybe because it actually appealed to people's 
you know, it seemed familiar. Oh yeah, that's totally how it is in freaking Kazakhstan, and we have it totally better here. And let's watch more of yeah. that, because it makes us feel good. Yeah, I think what, what people were picking up on is the, I guess some of what was portrayed as the inferiority of, of culture in Kazakhstan, which I found offensive to a degree, despite, you know, knowing that it's, you know, it's comedic distortion, but still um, hearing questions about, you know, whether what was portrayed was actually accurate was mind blowing. Yeah, just to, did not uh, anticipate that. Without movies uh, and without there being such a distance that we have between, for example, the UK and Kazakhstan or even Germany and Kazakhstan, mm -hmm. when we had foreign exchange with Germans, that was Western Germany. But still, mm -hmm. when I was maybe 10 or 11, I, I can't remember, but uh, it was elementary school, they did have questions for us, like, do you guys have refrigerators in your homes? And, and it's Germany and Poland, neighboring countries. So, mm. uh, you know, it's, wow. and there was no Borat about Poland. It was, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you have, you imagine different things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it kind of, uh, you maybe, um, maintain those Im those imaginary images or ideas that kind of make you feel better, which I don't know, maybe that's part of our survival instinct or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that even without that, you know, it's definitely there. Oh, yeah. And I think it's still there. It's, you know, it's 2021. I still get these questions once in a while. Or sometimes they kind of change their nature into jokes. So people will joke about, oh, you, you don't have TV in Poland, do you? Or you don't really know what's Mickey Mouse, do you? Um, and some people will joke and they'll think it's funny. Uh, but it still just shows that, they, you know, it must come from some idea. This joke is coming from some idea. And that being um, said... Uh... We get exposed to that, but we are bored with a smash hit in Poland, and mm. Polish people love this type of thing as well. So we right. get it. We like participating, you know, in that <laughs> thing from both sides. Absolutely. I think every nation has, you know, but I think there is something about nationality and how it influenced the perception. I don't know really how it influenced mm. the perception for the Brits. I just imagine that there's something about, you know, their own character being in there uh, i think for for poles mm. we do know a little bit about countries to the east from us so yeah but we do like to feel superior because we feel so inferior so these films are honey for our ears mm. sometimes right what do you mm. feel for our taste buds. Uh, do you feel a kazakh gina or because from your story so far it feels like yeah that's my identity you know it comes up people ask me about board because do you do you, when you people ask where you're from is this what you tell them um no it's a tricky question i think usually when people ask me where i'm from i i don't go as far back it just seems really complicated to me to to explain all of these steps and i think over time i've just grown tired of doing that um yeah I, I think i had a few experiences especially when i moved here and people asked me where i was from seeing that i you know lived in germany for a while but was originally from a different country um just it elicited so much confusion that those conversations became really tiring um so i i think over time i just started telling people that i grew up in germany do you think it's, is it because we really like binaries? And so if you give somebody more to that, then they're like, wait, you have to choose. Or is it something Yes, else? I think. 
I think so. Yeah, I think often the the question of what what do you feel more like comes up, which is difficult to answer because I don't particularly feel like being from anywhere. Um, but yeah, also questions around. But if you were born there, you know, what, why did you move to a different country? And so, are you Kazakh or are you something else? Or do you feel German? Um, those conversations became yeah really exhausting and I think they became exhausting because people weren't genuinely interested in a rich complicated answer um, so I would find myself kind of you know starting to explain and being you know getting cut off so I think most most recently I've just been telling people that I I grew up in Germany or I, I also sometimes say that I grew up in Germany but my family is Russian mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, for that's for, I guess, a story that you formed for other people because you moved from Germany to Scotland and you have that. This is a story for somebody mm-hmm. else. Do you have your do you ever consider your own story and how you actually feel? If you if you asked your yourself the same question, would the answer be what would the answer be? Mm. I think for myself, um, it's tricky to answer. I think for myself, the question of my identity is really complicated. Um, it's nothing. It's nothing that I can define really simply or concretely. I think one thing that really stands out for myself about my own identity is that I've always been an immigrant. I've always had the sense of being somewhere that I am not from. Um, so kind of going back to whatever I could recall consciously. I think um, that has always been part of my experience, not not being from wherever I currently am. Yeah, so I guess being a multicultural immigrant, that would be my identity. Um, I would probably identify more with Russian culture than with German culture, even though I spend most of my time there. And that probably has to do with, you know, having grown up there as an incomer. And as somebody who was called an incomer and an immigrant and I guess more more abusive terms as well when I was growing up. And do you like thinking about it or how, how does that feel thinking about it? Um, I think about it a lot. I think about it a lot. It feels difficult sometimes. I think many parts of, of the experience of growing up there feel difficult. Um, and I always think about it comparing it to the experience my brother had because he was born in Germany. When I compare the two of us to me, he is very German. Could you tell us yeah, more about so, that? When you think about uh, him being more German than you, what does that mean? I think he, well, first off, he strongly identifies with Germany as being his home country. Um, and especially the area that we um, we grew up in, so the area that had you know all the lavish vineyards, um, that was just kind of very green and rich, quite different to where my family in Kazakhstan was from, which was kind of dirt roads and nothing much. Um, he very strongly identifies with that area and feels very strongly about wanting to stay there. So I've been trying to convince him for years to to move, <laughs> to move and join me here, but he just doesn't want to. It just just feels like home to him. Um, so when I hear him speak German, for instance, he has 
he has a bit of a local dialect, which I don't when I speak German, um, because we, when I was younger, we lived in one part of Germany and then moved to another. So I don't, I don't really have a kind of local regional dialect, whereas he does, you can hear it. And he just, in terms of his personality, he just really, he embraces the kind of the, the, the structured nature of life in Germany, the bureaucracy, timeliness, orderliness, uh, that is just kind of part of his <laughs> part of his nature. I think it's it's just, you know, in terms of how he identifies and his experience as well. Um, and he also has a name that is very common in German. So I think he had a much easier time. Nobody really asked him any questions about his, you know, his funny name or <laughs> where he was really from, you know, all of these, um, these questions that I would get when I was in, in primary school and in secondary school as well. He just had a completely different experience, which felt more, I guess it felt less alienating for him than it did for me. How's this relationship with your parents? I assume that your parents, obviously, they moved as adults, so they probably don't feel mm -hmm. as Germans. Is there any, do you see any difference at all in terms of how you get along with your parents versus your brother uh, because of those, you know, different personalities, but also maybe the different, you know, cultural belonging? Do you see any of that or not really? I'm not sure if it comes through in, in how we get along. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tricky question. Um... I think I, I'm really close to my brother. Um, we have a really, really close relationship. I think what you maybe see it in is how our parents treat us. I think they just have different approaches to how they interact with the two of us. And I, I don't know if that necessarily has anything to do with our kind of slightly different cultural identities. There's probably something about, you know, our, our experiences having shaped our personalities. You and your brother, um, you share a sense of humor, don't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> where, 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 yes, we do. Where, where, where do you think is that coming from, given that he's more German and you're more Kazaki? Is that a... No, a, a, no, no. I would not use that word. <laughs> what's, the, what's the proper adjective for Kazakh. someone who's from Kazakhstan? Kazakh? It would be Kazakh, yes. Kazakh. But we're, I guess we're not Kazakh. Mm-hmm. So this this brings me back to why I stopped explaining to people who I am and where I'm from. We just don't get it, do um, we? I, I didn't want to be as blunt. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess we must be drinking the um, wrong type of tea. Um, I guess, you know, in my mind, you can, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong. But in my mind, it, it sounds really neat to be from Poland and be Polish, right? Um, but if, if you're from any, I guess, Central Asian country, which Kazakhstan is, then you can have, you know, Kazakh citizenship, but you can be, you know, a range of different nationalities. Um, so even, you know, even though we are from Kazakhstan, um, part of my father's family is of German heritage and my mother's family is of Russian and Ukrainian heritage. Um, so the, the question of, of what you identify as in terms of your nationality is different to the question of what you identify as in terms of your citizenship. So um, we had Kazakh citizenship, 
um, or, you know, back in the day, we were Soviet citizens, um, but in terms of nationality, we would have identified as Russian. Um, and that is sometimes, that is sometimes an aspect that is tricky to explain to people who don't have a very good grasp of what the Soviet Union was, that it was, a, you know, a collection of, of different states and different nationalities, different cultures, different religions. Um, so yeah, I think when I, when I hear Kazakh, it reminds me of Borat and that makes me <laughs> cringe. <laughs> so I think that's, that's the association. He I kind have. of stole, so, he kind of stole Kazakhstan from Kazakhs. That's another did. thing that pisses me off is like, you don't really you have to realize that this is what you're going to do because you're going to become the, the Wikipedia of Kazakhstan, you know, and yes. How, yeah, yeah, how do absolutely. you not realize it if you're supposed to you're so smart? I don't know. I mean, you just don't think about it, obviously, but yeah. I know. It's... And I think because, you know, he is a, kind of a, a somewhat privileged Englishman, you know, that, that film feels a lot like punching down to me, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. E even though, you know, some of the topics are obviously, um, uh, you know, important to, to talk about, you know, um, prejudice, alienation of, of marginalized populations, of course, um, if, if this is what he was trying to do, fuck knows. Um, but there's also a lot of ridicule towards a country that is really on, on nobody's radar, typically. <laughs> um, so it does, it does feel like a, a bit of identity that was, that was stolen there. And whenever it's brought up or I'm reminded of it, it feels a bit dirty to me hmm. yeah it's interesting yeah. i have heard that the the second part of borat borat 2 um that it it was a little bit more popular in kazakhstan for the marketing purposes that at the same time <laughs> while the identity has been stolen to some degree uh, it, it it helped to put kazakhstan on the map for uh, for many people mm. um it feels quite complicated like your dna gina Exactly. Yes, exactly. I'm not sure what the, the question was that you asked me originally. Me neither, but I have another one. So the, the new question is, um, how do you, how, do you think it's important to have kind of identified roots and to name where you're from? Do you feel like it's important to you and if it's helpful in any way to get through life, to get that, to have a, a place that you call home or that place that where mm. you're from? Or do you think that's kind of unnecessary for us to have and we're just wrong about focusing and asking people where they're from? Hmm. I think for me, it's not necessary to be from somewhere in particular probably because I've always had to define myself through, I guess, cultural background, as opposed to being from somewhere specifically. Yeah, so to me, it's not, it's not a hugely important part of my identity. Um, but I feel, I have to say, I feel a little bit jealous of people who do have a really strong national identity, for example. Um, when I saw it in the, um, the move for for independence in Scotland, seeing people, you know, identify really strongly with Scotland as their country of birth, Scottish as their national identity. I think there's something really there's something really inspiring about that. Um, yeah, and it, it made me feel a little bit jealous because I never I never had this connection to a country. 
I never, I never did. I don't have a really strong connection to Kazakhstan as a country. I know it's it's part of my background, but there's just so much more to, I guess, my my DNA and um, how I was raised than than the fact that I just happened to to be born there. And I never had that strong a connection to to Germany either because I I grew up with a really clear sense of not being from there. So yeah, I, I sometimes wonder what that is like to feel really connected to to where you're from. And it's a stark um, contrast. Feel proud. Yeah, it I is. think it's a stark yeah. contrast living in Scotland and knowing um, how strongly people are attached to their identity in Scotland. And that's not only to the country, <laughs> but also to the city, to the town, to the village and to the part <laughs> of the city as well. But I'm thinking about Germany a little bit. You know, you, you described it in terms of um, the steppe deserts in Kazakhstan and green <laughs> vineyards in Germany. And, uh, you know, that's the image of Germany that I didn't have in my head before. So I I'm wondering, what's Germany like for you? You know, uh, it sounds French. <laughs> well, we are actually... Um, Don't tell me you're French to... now. <laughs> um, let me tell you um, about this. See, th this is why I don't explain myself <laughs> to people. <laughs> Um, so I, I think I mentioned um, a few minutes ago that my, my father's side of the family is of German heritage. Um, so a number of years ago, my, my uncle did some, some research work to kind of trace back um, the family roots. And he actually found out that our family, um, so in, in Russian, our family last name was pronounced Biche. Uh, and we found out that actually the last name we have is French, Bichet. Um, and that my, my father's side of the family was from a part of Germany that was formerly French. So you're really French? Uh, that's it, yeah. I was, I was anxious to say it. Finally. <laughs> the family background on my father's side is, is French-German. Um, and we happen to move to an area in Germany that's really close to the French border. So it, it kind of sounds a little bit like, you know, it's not the, the Côte d'Azur, but um, it's maybe a little bit more picturesque than other areas of, of Germany. With the vineyards by the rivers, um, it's nice. And that's, what do you think about when you think Germany? What do I think about? Mm -hmm. What comes to your mind? Wine. Um... <laughs> Only a French person would say that. <laughs> See, I've been lying all along. <laughs> what was the uh, second wine, thing? Wine, smoked ham. Uh, sm smoked, smoked ham, ham. okay. Mm -hmm. Bakeries? Again. It still sounds French, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> it awfully sounds like you're describing France. <laughs> I'm wondering if you have so many... Uh, backgrounds or you know so many strings of DNA in you I wonder if it's just like a temptation to choose where you're from like oh I want to be French so I'm gonna go for it oh well no nah. I, I don't think that is that is a place that I would want to identify with um, <laughs> I don't know I, I think I often think about privilege and I guess the, the kind of privilege my brother had as well you know growing up in the place that he was born in and nobody kind of batting an eyelid at you know what he was called or where he was from also when he was little when he was growing up 
um, he he had really lovely blonde hair. So he looked like, you know, a recruit from like Hitler Jugend. Just say it. Yeah. Yeah. Poor <laughs> um, <her> brother. <laughs> I know. I know. My 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 parents used to make fun of him soviet humor style calling him a little nazi <laughs> like, this is this is kind of new this is like racism within the family within the closest of the family your brother is a little bit too german that's why he, now, he doesn't want to go live anywhere else because he knows that if he moves right? anywhere outside of germany that's how people will perceive him you know well i know it's not his fault that that he has that look he's he's darker now but when he was a little boy <laughs> that was his little nickname <laughs> little nazi <laughs> oh my goodness perfect Spaniards and nazis hmm. yeah and i actually it reminds me of of a story my mother told me when when she got engaged to my my father so there's there's 10 years between them um so my um my mother was 20 and my dad was 30 when they they got married um and when they announced that they were getting married um some people in my mother's family were really skeptical and somebody asked her why she would choose to marry a fascist because of his german heritage um and I, i'm not sure if that was asked of her in a, in a serious way or in a joking way you might kind of put that down to to soviet humor once again i don't know but i've you know i've, I've heard these terms a lot growing up kind of nazis fascists communists and propaganda and especially american propaganda <laughs> might be something that you you have an opinion on not really i don't really identify as american <laughs> When it comes to the propaganda, I mean, they're effective. Yeah, absolutely. They're super effective at many different things, including that. So, yeah, to this day, obviously. Uh, but I wanted to go back uh, to the Soviet humor. And mm -hmm. um, when we asked you to share a piece of culture from mm -hmm. over there with us, uh, can you tell us what you sent us? So I actually haven't looked at it since I sent it to you, but it's um, it's just a brief a brief Soviet cartoon that was really, really popular for many years. I mean, partly because it was one of the only things that was accessible to to children in terms of entertainment. Um, it's called Nupagadi, which means you just wait. Obviously, it makes sense to have a really kind of threatening title for a children's cartoon. <laughs> it's about a, a wolf who spends all of the seasons of this of this cartoon trying to find ways to get close to and eat a bunny rabbit yeah i have to say when you send us the link to it the, just to let you know it's not just a wolf trying to eat a rabbit the opening scene of that first cartoon for kids right i watched it when i was probably <laughs> six or whatever it's a wolf um carrying a bunch of flowers in one hand and smoking a cigarette in the other okay he takes the elevator mm. 
and he goes to the bunny. And so when we were talking about it with uh, actually my Russian friends this weekend, they're like, this is Russian Tom and Jerry. It has that propaganda feel to it. Um, and there's a bunch of different stories that were urban legends in the, in the Soviet Union that actually also my friend was just talking about because they have books about it now that were uh, created to um, form distrust between uh, you know foreigners and and Soviet people um, and I think that got that had many layers there were the urban legends obviously just plain propaganda and and mm -hmm. maybe even this cartoon was part of it a lot of it is about letting somebody into your house you have to be smarter because you're smaller to be mm -hmm. able to outsmart them how does it feel Gina when we uh, explain your own cartoon to you <laughs> It makes me think. Um, <laughs> it or you want to throw away the tea bag? I haven't really watched it in such a long time. You know, sometimes I kind of, you know, watch the occasional clip online. It, it makes me wonder what I was picking up on when I was watching it as a child. Because I, I can't recall. I'm just thinking, what, what was I thinking? Because a lot of the episodes are really quite bizarre. You know, they're about bizarre ways of yeah catching your prey <laughs> or i guess somebody weaker outsmarting somebody stronger and also what i remember is a lot of kind of themes around um space travel so there were a lot of episodes about going to the moon <laughs> or going to mars whatever else and i think that was very clearly propaganda in mm. terms of you know showing you know who's gonna get there first what the Soviet Union is, is doing and yeah, who's getting there first. Look at us, we have the upper hand. I kind of know that now in retrospect, but I think so, at the time I was just confused about why that was coming up over and over. What we are saying really is that Tom and Jerry and wait, uh, well, well, you just wait is about, is about power. Hmm. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. uh, and that's mm -hmm. a theme. And as kids, theme. you consume it, uh, obviously, without realizing it, because for us, uh, we watched it on Polish TV, never thinking mm -hmm. twice that it was Russian or it was about Russia. We were just watching it mm. as a Polish mm. cartoon. So that's right, interesting right. that you can ease. And the same with Tom and Jerry. You know, nobody thought that it was American or whatever. We hadn't, I mean, at least me. I we just no thought idea. it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I for it's sure, um, I don't know, Nupagadi, I probably was just encountered it earlier, but to me it was, I remember it to this day and I remember enjoying it. Maybe because mm. I heard my parents saying it was stupid and that made me feel like it was cool. I don't know. It's just like my assumption right now. But uh, Tom and Jerry, I remember being annoying to me. I think because my sister wanted to watch mm. it when I was already too old. Wait, did you say too old? Because uh, in my house, uh, we are still watching these cartoons especially <laughs> this is a frequent occurrence still find them funny but i wanted to go back we sort of stopped talking about the immigration experiences with you identifying yep. as french a little bit uh, and your surname uh perhaps having a bit of a, a french sound to it uh, what where are you now where, where do you live right now now i live in edinburgh scotland and that just adds another complicated layer to all of it it does it does because I've been here <laughs> for 10 years now and my accent has changed over time as well. Um, that happens. So, yeah, doesn't it? Um, 
Yeah, that adds another complicated layer to it. In what sense? Because I feel... I guess I feel quite attached to Scotland. My husband is Scottish. Um, I've lived in this city for a really long time. I feel quite attached to the particular area that I live in. So yeah, it just, just makes me wonder how that integrates into my identity. I think for a long time I was really quite determined to really not be from anywhere because that's how things just feel to me generally. So I'm trying to to still maintain that identity, that immigrant identity, while also trying to feel more in touch with where I'm living. Mm. And what do you think of Scotland? What, like when you think of Scotland, what do you think of other than obviously the weak tea bags? What else is that? Well, I think the weak, the weak tea bags, that is not the fault of Scotland. <laughs> I think that... It's the queen. I mean, let's face it, it's the English. <laughs> that sounds very Scottish I mean, to me. I think you're already Scottish now. <laughs> the French turned Scottish, Gina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just, just going back to the kind of the, the theme of privilege and power. It wasn't the Scottish who who were kind of champions of colonialism. So I think seeing it like this, I, I kind of, as an immigrant, I have a bit of an underdog identity, I guess. And this is what what makes kind of Scotland really appealing to me as well, just in, in terms of historical context and position relative to those in power. Scotland is the underdog. Um, so I'm, I'm very strongly rooting for the underdog. So some of the issues with tea, you know, it's, it's not Scotland's fault. When, um... Some of the issues with brown food, definitely. You know, everything <laughs> deep fried, everything dry. <laughs> that's on them but the tea is not <laughs> i feel like Karina has similar um similar opinions of scotland the way she talks about scotland is similar where she describes mm. their humility and how they're the underdog and how they're not the, in the power structure of uk i guess they're yeah. different from the english which is not very apparent from like i guess sitting in america Uh, you don't really see that um and it's very uh it's very uh, visible in the way she talks about scotland too so yeah it's interesting and i remember mm. you agishka walking down one of the main streets in the town and you know the big castles big buildings big palaces here in edinburgh and you were saying how that just reminds you of the privilege uh, and of the power um that it is um yeah associated with And it's, uh, yeah, that's Edinburgh. I think, and, and, and Edinburgh is different, yeah, also in Carolina's stories, where Edinburgh mm. is the, the least Scottish place in Scotland in the, that sense. Different people. Uh, yeah, Edinburgh city center, well, or Edinburgh as, 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 as tourists see it. Yeah, but I also think the people, we could easily offend. No, it. I think we would offend people of Edinburgh saying that. But that's what's so Be careful, it. America. I'm, be okay, careful. I'm doing it. This is also, you know, interestingly, um, a large part of my family don't they don't really have a, a very good idea of what the united kingdom is often when i go back to visit family in germany i'm asked how things are back in england <laughs> because they they don't really have that that conceptualization of, of what the united kingdom is so everything just is england to them on this island <laughs> Exactly. Everything belongs to the queen, including the swans. Mm -hmm. 
When, what about your relationship with your husband, given that he's Scottish? It sounds like such a simple answer where you're from, from Scotland. Boom, that's done. Um, I think he has pretty strong feelings about being from Starling, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> is this in Scotland? <laughs> <laughs> this is where your pal Kevin ah, okay. is, his family. Yeah. Not to name names, I do have a friend and his name is Kevin Sterling. And he always says he's from Scotland, I guess from Sterling. I was just going to say that uh, when you said that uh, Germans think uh, ask about England, and they don't really know about Scotland. It's the first thing that came to, to mind for me was that Scotland needs a Borat, you know, something that will put them on the map. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be like the grave to your coffin. <laughs> oh, dear. I wonder how Scottish people take that. And so what, what, what does it do to your identity, the fact that your partner, your husband is Scottish or from Sterling? You know, does that mess it up even further or or mess it up? Maybe it's not a good word. Does it enrich it any further? Um, I think it does enrich it. Yes. Um, I I mean, we've been together almost nine years now. Um, and I think it was through meeting him and his family that I started to feel really strongly about wanting Scotland to do well. You know, being really concerned about what's happening to people here. He has parents who are really um, kind of switched on, intelligent people who, you know, have a really reasonable grasp of kind of politics and power structure. So I think this is what really got me interested in, in all of that. Um, so yeah, it makes me feel closer to, to here. And when you said and concerned, the... I think there's something interesting there between, mm. um, you know, the association between concern and as an attachment we have to the to the given country. And we were talking about Borat and, you know, you were saying how certain things about Borat and how Kazakhstan is perceived uh, it, it upsets you. And then you're talking mm. about Scottish people and how you're maybe concerned for their affairs. What about Germany? Do you feel concerned about anything that's happening in Germany or France? Or France. <laughs> <laughs> or Ukraine or Russia or you know <laughs> I think interestingly I don't have any strong feelings about Germany I think they're doing fine without my concern really <laughs> just like you know again thinking about it in terms of power difference privilege they're fine they don't they don't need my concern <laughs> neither does France no I, I I think I just don't have an emotional response when I think of Germany. I, I don't I don't really have that kind of attachment to it. And how many or years have you spent there? Sixteen? Sixteen. And here I've been ten years in Scotland. Mm. And I think, you know, I because I work here for most of my working life and I've I've worked in areas that are severely Scottish. Like you you just would not encounter a single immigrant, you know, I've, I've worked in those kinds of areas. So I've had the kind of full on <laughs> Scottish experience here, which and I think has made me feel quite connected to to the population. And for anyone who finds it rude to ask about age, but is interested in Gina's age, she spent 16 years in Germany, 10 years in Scotland, and she emigrated from Kazakhstan when she was about three or four. You can do the maths. Or you can't, depending <laughs> where you're from. Not if you're from Kazakhstan, well, obviously you can't do the math. No. <laughs> no, obviously not. Because we don't have schools or toilets there. <laughs> or calculators. 
<laughs> or calculators, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm 30 now. <laughs> Thanks, Gina. <laughs> that's, the German, struggling. that's the German in you talking. <laughs> My husband actually says that I sound, you know, in the way I speak, that I sound quite German or quite European to him. In the, uh, yeah, I think he says I, I sound quite European. No, not in terms of accent, but in terms of how I put things. Um, uh-huh. You know, sometimes in the way that I really need to be precise to be understood. He finds that to be very European. And he actually, he calls me Euro trash. <laughs> okay, I think that's uh, too much information, Gina. <laughs> Again, not that type of podcast, okay? This, is, this just shows how tiring indeed this question is where you're from. We just, it's so complicated for everyone. We feel certain way, but it's very rare that someone else will actually understand. What does mm-hmm. that mean? Maybe next time somebody asks you where you're from, you're like, would you like some tea? Or what type of ice cream do you like? <laughs> just like <laughs> bypass that question altogether. <laughs> do you have the rapid fire questions ready? Yeah. It's just a bunch of very intimate questions that, that we say, say for the very end. Love it, love it. Just if you need a little bit of adrenaline, it's coming. Okay, culture or nature? Culture. What do you feel when you're around people from there when you're here? Strange. Table for two or for a large party? Two. Table for two. Describe the worst moment from here. Oh, the, the last election results. What about best moment from here? So many best moments. You can give us Fair a top enough. three. Leaving Orkney, starting a job with Carolina, and I guess any time day drinking with my husband. One of my very favorite things. Like now. <laughs> Is he there? Like today <laughs> or yesterday. <laughs> or tomorrow. <laughs> No, well, was, thank you, amazing. Gina. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. We'd love to hear how you connect with the stories of our guests and about your here and there experience. You can get in touch with us via email. It's hello at hereandtherepodcast.com. You can also share, comment, and follow us on your favorite social media platform. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Here and There Podcast. Find all of our episodes and links to our social media and streaming platforms on our website, hereandtherepodcast.com. Thanks, Jano, for putting us online. Clarence Boddicker for the here and there tune. And Kieran for the beautiful graphic. Till next time, friends. Bye-bye.